You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Triple Jump podcast. It's a video game podcast. My name is Ben. My name is Peter. And my name is Ashton. Guys, Fimble Winter is here. Yeah. Uh, it's very cold, so make sure you wrap up warm and look out for four. What? Look out for what? Got to look out for four. For what? For four. For four what? For four. For what? With the hammer. The four. Oh, for four. For four. four. You've got to look out for four. Look out for four. <laughs> look out. He's here. I was he, so confused. He's really cross. He's so cross. Four is Freya's more cross. True. But who will be most cross? Find out in God of War Ragnarok, available yeah. right now on PlayStation. It's, uh, it's a big week for video games. It, it is. It's been it a big flip in release window as well. We've got loads to talk about. Uh, I had regular plops. Last week, um, we were worried that we wouldn't have Ashton here this week because of plops. Mm. And Peter, you were off with holiday plops the week before. I was, so yeah. we were we threatened with not having our regular lineup for, for, for three weeks. But fortunately, we're all here. There's so much to talk about. So many video games have come out. Are you guys excited? Are you guys ready? Well, and yet yes. we should say that at time of recording, none of well, Ashen has actually played a little bit of about forty-five Gal, God of War. Yes, but we've not actually played it because we're recording this a little bit early. Because yeah. of holiday plots. And PlayStation and really don't like to send us anything. No. PlayStation hate us. They yeah. don't really don't know like what we us need to do. at all. I don't so know what we've done we wrong. won't be able to give you any sort of chatter or first impressions on that. Well, I suppose Ashton might. Ashton can played. give yeah. uh, her very, very first impressions. A little but sign. You've probably seen or heard the quipscope that, uh, that went out on the channel already by yeah. this point. Mm. So uh, we'll... Just go watch that. You know, just go watch that. Each and every week, we're sponsored by a very real video game adjacent sponsor. It helps us keep the lights on here over at Team Triple Jump. Uh, can you see him? No, he's not there. Uh, Maybe he's hibernating. Could be. Dead Maybe Island he knows Fimble Winter is here. Yeah. Dead Island 2 The Spider does not appear to be he's scared of four. Can't see him With anywhere. his presence today, he, is, he has forgotten. <laughs> mm. yeah. uh, we are recording... As you said, a little earlier, so it could be that he just got his—he didn't get the message. Oh yeah, it's Wednesday like, today. It's Thursday Wednesday. morning. I need to be there, and mm. it's—we're not going to be there Thursday morning. To no, no dead end to the spider. But we do have a sponsor. Ashton's going to read it for you right now. We do. I have some questions for you too. Mm. If you were to start a band, mm. uh, what kind of what would your aesthetic be? Would you perhaps be a traditional boy band, or would you go down the Kiss route and paint your face? Hey, look at us. Blah, 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 blah. We'd be cute boys next door. I think that's true. And hey, what's another word for a guitar? 
Axe. A, yeah. a strat. Oh, an axe. Yeah. Axe. Uh, well, because of these two very common things that happen, in, not only in the real life in bands, but also in video games, such as their new one that came out today at time of recording, mm. um, coming very soon, God of War, Ragnar Rock and Roll. <laughs> Ragnar Rock and Roll. What yeah. do you do in it? It's like Guitar Hero, but... Um, but also with gods and, and baddies. Okay. Use your axe. Yeah, use your axe. Yeah. Both the guitar kind and the slicey kind. The slicey kind. Slicey. Yeah, yeah. you and your son slicing. just sing songs. It's like a family band. Yeah, yeah. Got to get a son, mm. yeah. clearly. You have to get, everyone has to have, you're only allowed to play it if you are, have a son. Mm. Son. Oh, well, that's really exciting. And it's out now? Nope. Because uh, it's not real. Oh, for God's sake. You got us good. For yeah. the God's God, sake. Oh, God did you good. Mm. Goodness me. No, we're not sponsored by God of War, Ragnarok and Roll. Mm. Uh, we are sponsored by our wonderful patrons over at patreon.com forward slash team triple jump, where for as little as $1 per month, you can submit questions to this podcast. We've got other tiers available, loads of fantastic rewards and awards. Awards? Maybe. I don't know. Well, awards? you will be able to vote in our game of the a year medal? awards towards the end of the year. If you're a patron, mm. that is something that we will be rolling out uh, towards the end of next month. So make sure you sign up now. Patreon.com forward slash Team Triple Jump. We would love you. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks. Mm. We've got a first question there, Peter. Yep. It's from Chris Adds. Um, does which... he subtract? No. Or multiply? No, he adds. Okay. And that's all he does. Okay. And he does not use ad blocker. He, he, he watches them all. He doesn't even skip. No. No. Thanks, Chris. Chris is, Chris is a hero. Hi, Bap. I teach games development at college, but only the animation side of things because I know nothing about coding. Don't tell my boss, please. <gasps> if given the opportunity, what area would you feel confident in teaching as part of a games development curriculum? What topics would fill you and what topics would fill you with dread? Stay sexy. Chris adds. Thanks, Chris. Uh, what, what, what does Chris add? Very good. Uh, stay sexy, Chris adds. Uh, He's keys. I would like to immediately jump in and say, I don't think anything would fill me with confidence in teaching at college level <laughs> no. uh, in the world of video games development. But if the question was more, if you had to, what would you try and wing your way through? Mm. Then I think definitely I'd lean more towards some kind of the creative aspect. I'd try and pretend that I knew how to write a narrative, which I don't. Mm. Um, I couldn't even pretend to be an artist and like do concept art and stuff because no. Um, so I suppose the only thing that almost... Well, from what I can think of, the only thing that doesn't require technical know-how is probably story development, right? Can you think of anything else that where well, you don't have to be QA? Unless, yeah. Yeah, QA. Mm. Or like I the, suppose you've got an actual... I have some experience yeah. in QA. Or like the uh, the teaching about the consumer and all that, the marketing yeah. side of like... HR. HR. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't teach about HR. You could do the catering. Yeah. yeah. You could order in the Domino's for when it's crunch crunch month mm. yes yeah mm. yum yum um no family for you and what would fill me with dread well i did actually study a little bit of computer science for a year and i did some coding um i think it was it was mostly java which i don't think would necessarily enter into a lot of games development but anyway i did a bit of java and wow um didn't really enjoy it very much it's not that i was even that bad at it but i just thought hmm not for me um so yeah there are all these other guys in my it was almost exclusively guys 98 percent male that class mm -hmm. um they were all all like or some of them were really into it and like oh look at this little workaround i've like you know i've imported this library from i was like i don't even know what that means what are you importing libraries for and uh yeah they were doing all sorts of like clever things and i was like 
I'm just doing it the way the teacher told us to. And that, that would be the, the extent of my coding ability is like just doing it really conventionally and not being remotely kind of cutting edge or doing anything useful for the company, I don't mm -hmm. think. So that would fill me with dread. If I had to teach like a one-off lesson, if they were like, can you please come in and, and teach a one-off lesson to the students? My lesson would be called How to Make a Good Female Character and Not Flip It Up okay. would be the name okay. of the, the lesson because that's important because I imagine, not to stereotype here, but I imagine game development classrooms are filled with quite a lot of boys. And I think it would be good for them to know, hey, maybe hey, maybe don't put your, your badass female character in a bikini. Maybe mm -hmm. she doesn't need to be mm -hmm. in that. No. Hey, how Maybe about we some armor. turn down the jiggle physics because she's just standing still? Sounds to me like you're just going to ruin all games. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's yeah. what it sounds like to me. Hey, how about you give her a mustache? Yeah. Why does Aloy have a beard? Why, Why does, does she, she have, have a beard? beard? Why, she have a Why isn't she in a question. bikini with the jiggle physics slider turned up to 11? Yeah. Come on. Why can't I adjust her breath size? Her breath size. Worst game ever. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I would teach specifically. And in terms of what I would be terrified to actually teach, um, anything to do with game development at all, really. Mm. Uh, if you put me in front of a class and said, today we're teaching, insert topic here, I would say, ooh, bad news, don't know anything about that. Mm. Uh, and I don't know, just probably show them some YouTube videos. I'm like, you guys want to watch TikTok for a bit instead? And then when the teacher comes back, I'd be like, so yes, that is all you need to know about the world of insert topic here yeah. thank you so much for coming and i'll see you next week make sure you do that homework i told you about do it brian yep. brian so make brian. sure you do it cheeky brian and then they'd leave and all they did watch was my for you page which is just full of all kinds of weird stuff nice. that's why i would show them excellent i would be terrified of having to do anything pertaining to art Mm -hmm. any kind of concept art yeah. i think it would become pretty clear pretty quick that i don't know a damn thing that i'm talking about and have no natural ability whatsoever uh if i were to teach a class it would either be because I, I did some uh some qa a little bit for mm. like six months but i can't really remember a great deal about the due processes that were involved they were quite intense there were daily meetings daily testings to be done um but certainly i feel like i could provide a guiding hand maybe in the the broad topic of quality control maybe mock reviews which companies do uh do facilitate in order to work out what they think a game is going to review like uh, you know they they do have play tests where people internally they have to decide is is this actually fun because if you're for example a coder and you're working on this game every day you don't usually get the opportunity to take a step out of that and actually play the game and and decide whether or not hey, this is really good. Just because it's not part of your job, you're mm. just told mm. this is what you you need to do this. This is what you need to do. Uh, so they, these roles do exist. And uh, I would maybe be able to offer some guidance there, perhaps uh, maybe talk to some of these developers and just give them a kind of not home economics course, but almost sort of an outside of a gaming work employment, uh, maybe some insight there in that, the games industry is highly volatile workplace and there's a good chance that you won't be employed anywhere for very long. Companies either get closed down, mm. projects end, contracts get terminated, uh, you may not be working there full time. Maybe just sort of talk to these people and uh, stamp on their dreams just a little bit. Just yeah, just bit. so they know going just in. A, just, yeah. a, just like some mild dream crushing 
just so that they're aware that, hey, maybe you shouldn't buy a place. Maybe you should rent just mm. in case. How long is your contract? Six months? Maybe you shouldn't Maybe you shouldn't buy a home here just yet because there's a good chance that you could end up working all around the world. Mm. And as exciting as that is, that's just the nature of the biz, baby. And it's something that people who have been working in it have been campaigning against for a long time, mm -hmm. perhaps a little bit more stability. But that is just how the games industry works. And a lot of people end up uh, not in what's the right term for it. Should we say safe employment? Yeah. Uh, that. Uh, What's his name? Justin Schreier wrote a couple of fantastic books all about this kind of stuff, interviewing people who worked mm. at studios and the general stress that goes into working there. So, yeah, maybe that's what I'd do. I'd teach a course on just sort of like mild dream stamping. Yeah. Just, just you're passionate about this, but maybe like consider accounting. Ben Potter's Dream Crushing yeah. 101. Maybe something like that. Yeah. Just, just a little bit of stamp out the fire in What's your that? Mm -hmm. You have hopes and dreams. You're excited about this. Put them in the bin. What? Stop it. How There's a good Brian? chance that Gross. you won't have this job next year. Not because you're not good enough, but because the games industry, it eats people it's up. It's brutal. It is brutal. So, yeah. You haven't got the stomach for it, Brian. You simply don't. Oh, poor Brian. <sighs> it's always Brian, isn't it? But mm. uh, I do feel like the four of, uh, the four of us... Billy, uh, Billy included, <laughs> uh, could walk into any college in the world and successfully teach someone how to be a game designer. Yeah. Sure. Easy. Prove, Prove it. it. <laughs> <laughs> Become a game designer. Nice and easy. Yeah. Well, we probably could do that. You know, that's a good idea. Yeah. We should try that one. Put mm. that down on the list. Yeah. Okay. Coming it's time soon. for something. Yeah. That, have we done it before? No. No. Is it exciting? Yes. yes. What's it called? What we play in. It's what we play in time. Time to talk about video games that we've been playing. Peter, what have you been playing? Uh, well, uh, I've been playing the game of life, moving my house. Um, we're recording slightly earlier than normal, and so there's been even less time for me since the last podcast to even uh, start settling down and doing things. What I did do when I moved in, because we required means of at least playing, like, DVDs and stuff um, because I, we didn't have any internet was the problem uh, and we don't have a, a, an aerial so we can't watch terrestrial TV so I got the first console I could find and the PS4 was at the top of the box so I got the PS4 out and I hooked that up the TV and uh, we've been watching stuff on there and so I've been able to play the games that are installed on there um, I haven't actually done that because what I've done instead is do the same thing on my PC. So I have played a bit of Orcs Must Die this week, Orcs Must Die 3, um, and that was kind of it. I've just done that because I've not been able to download any new games. I didn't have the PS5 out, which had the games that I have been playing installed on it. Um, and so not much is the answer. Um, I'm hoping that I might have played bit of god of war by the time the next podcast starts um or is recorded so yeah uh i received a router today that's, so that's exciting that's great news so should have internet by tomorrow so that is my exciting um contribution to what we're playing i'm afraid just a bit of a pc game that was already installed on the machine <laughs> nice Ashton, stuff 
I've been a bit under the weather this week. Yes, you have. And I've also been a bit stuck at my parents' house because uh, driving when you're sick is really hard. Um, but I've played, before I went to my parents' house, a little bit of Marvel's Ultimate Alliance 2 oh, uh, with okay. MB because he really liked the first one and he really wanted to play the second one. And then we spent a good amount of time confused as to why one controller made both characters jump. Turns out it's just a weird Steam error. Um <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we played some of that, uh, and it's interesting. There's definitely a lot going on pretty much all the time, but hey, we had a good fun, and maybe we'll play again sometime soon. Who did you play as? Uh, well, at the beginning, we had like the four characters. There was Iron Man, Captain America, Spiderman, and Wolverine, mm-hmm. and I played mainly as Spiderman. Mm. And then as soon as we were given free reign, I played as Storm. She's OP as hell. The lightning attack just ruins everyone's day. It's great. Uh, so I pretty much just played as her, and then we had an all-gal squad. We had her, Ms. Marvel, uh, Scion, mm. yeah, mm. and uh, the Invisible Woman. Mm. Lovely. Also, uh, for some reason when I'm sick, I really like playing games that make me annoyed. So I played Planet Coaster. Uh, man, I suck at making roller coasters in that game. I'm really good at making parks. Second, it says make a coaster. Rubbish. Mm. Terrible. The one I'm currently on asked me to make three separate roller coasters one of them i managed to just get one of the pre-built ones worked fine but then the next two that it wants me to make i just can't do it they're always too scary make people sick don't yeah you? it's but then like most of the time i don't even understand why because they'll be like totally fine with like three loop-de-loops in a row and then they'll go on a straight bit and they're like Bleh, and i'm like why 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 just done three loop-de-loops they're only level they're only a three out of ten yeah, or three out of twenty and then 20. then they get to 12 and then it's oh i'm too sick can't is that it? Is it because person. you're sick? You want to make everyone else sick? Maybe, so, yeah. That could be it, yeah. But I really try not to make them bad. And I'm playing them on a, con- a PlayStation as well, so got to do with the controller, uh, which my boyfriend said he absolutely would not be able to do, which isn't too hard, but making a roller coaster in the game is, is kind of difficult. Mm-hmm. So... One day you'll, you'll make a roller coaster that everyone enjoys. Yeah, one day. That's the dream. Mm. So... You played a tiny bit of Ragnarok. Oh, yeah. Mm. I, yeah, just played some of that. It looks good. A uh, couple of weird, um, not issues, but I noticed that some of the like mouth moving for Atreus and one of the other characters is a bit weird. Um, but you did play day one unpatched. I played, I played it patched. Oh, you played it patched? I yeah. thought you were going to not play Well, patched, it just installed it. It just patched it. So okay. um, it didn't take very long. It was like 10 minutes after right. it, so... Yeah, I played patched. Um, but yeah, a couple of the mouth movements seem a bit like <laughs> when they're talking right. rather than being like, Kratos' look fine, but for some reason Atreus's are a little bit weird. Okay. Um, but maybe that's just... Four out of ten then. Four out of ten. Four out of ten. Yeah, four. Oh, yeah, four. four uh, yeah, maybe four that's just like t- me getting used to it again. But yeah, looks good so far. I'm excited to carry on playing it. Nice. Mm. Mm. Very nice. I I have a fair few things to talk about. I finished off The Last of Us Part 1. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I've got to say, the the ending, hit, <clears throat> excuse me, hit a lot harder this time around. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because I was poorly or if it was because it looks a lot better now, so the facial animations are really good, mm-hmm. or if it's also because I have the hindsight of the second game yeah. when it comes there uh, and what all this is building to. But I, uh, I enjoyed it. You know, it's still a fantastic game. I couldn't really be bothered to play Left Behind as well because this was a copy that I was borrowing mm-hmm. from someone else. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I was just, once I finished that, 
I was done. I've got, I couldn't, couldn't be bothered to play anymore. Really. I never got around to Left Behind the first time, so I probably will. I have an eye. Uh, Behind is fantastic. I have heard very good things about it, yeah. I was just ready to move on to the next game, yeah. uh, slash finish the next game. Uh, I played a tiny bit of Dark Souls with friend of the channel, Emma Lishan. Mm. Uh, that video is on her channel now. Barbara went in there and helped her out with Ornstein and Smell, Smo, Smog. Smog. In, uh, Smog mm -hmm. in Anne Orlando. And from what I understand, the gatekeepers were out in force yeah, because she summoned assistance for what is a notor what is meant to be a notoriously hard boss fight. And I must say, that boss fight is a piece of cake. It's an absolute piece of cake in hindsight mm. because the but I haven't played that boss fight for a long time, and the speed and the complexity with which From Software design their boss fights now. Mm makes that just it makes those two look like a pair of chumps i gotta say <laughs> their moves are highly they're, they're highly telegraphed you can strafe around them you can easily roll out of the way of attacks i'm confident that emma would have smashed that boss fight regardless of whether or not she had help mm. but do go on that video and leave a really nice comment because uh, from what i understand people were being total ass well if, any, if nothing else it's just a nice bit of cross uh what's the word collaboration bit of yeah. collaboration just like hey come and play a game on my channel it doesn't, it doesn't have collaboration to be. and also that game has co-op in it yeah and people get really so hung up if you don't want to play a game in co-op don't but if you don't want people to play your game in co-op don't make co-op Soulsborne fans see. are the worst they really are they they do not want you to have any fun with it um, so yeah go watch that video it's on mm. Emolition's channel now uh, I also played Modern Warfare 2, mm. the new one. I you played did. through the story, uh, the campaign of that. You finished it? Yeah. Oh. Uh, Amsterdam looks well pretty, innit? Yeah, it? Yeah, it does. It looks really good. Mm. I really enjoyed that game. It had a lot of uh, strange new mechanics that they were trying out, like you could respond on the D-pad with dialogue options occasionally. Oh. It only okay. happened a few times. And sometimes it would want me to do a specific thing, then I would die. And then on the loading screen to play again, it would explain how to do that section. It was like, brilliant. Could have really used that information <laughs> a minute ago. Mm -hmm. uh, I wasn't looking for a challenge, so I put it on one of the easier difficulties because I want to feel like a flipping war hero. And we do often get asked on this podcast, what are our gaming guilty pleasures? And I got to say, Call of Duty campaigns, I flipping love them. Mm. They're just, I know it's sort of like military fetishism at its finest. Mm. Like, yeah, let's go save the world and kill all the baddies. But there's something, there's something about it that really appeals to me. And I don't know if it's just because uh, the original Modern Warfare was such a formative game for me right, uh, yeah. at the time that uh, I, I still really enjoy those. So I liked it. I liked it a lot. I think the review score was it six that IGN gave it. Can't say I agree with that. I think it was uh, it was a fun romp. Better than Vanguard, for sure. Better than Vanguard, yeah, 100%. Uh, I then played through or finished off playing through Guardians of the Galaxy on PS4 uh, right. because I didn't have my PS5 for a little bit, and I, I played that and uh, got the Platinum in it. Nice. So now I have the Platinum in both the PS5 and the PS4. That was going to be my next question. <laughs> yeah. I was meaning to, to to play through that game again soon anyway, and I really, I still really like Guardians of the Galaxy. I think it's great. I then, for this, for similar reasons, but not for the trophies, uh, played through New Tales from the Borderlands on PS5 just to finish that because I played the first chapter on that and then I played the rest on the PS4 version. So I finished that one off. Uh, and finally, finally, because of the Modern Warfare 2 stuff, I thought, wow, I could really go for another Call of Duty campaign right now. And I haven't played Advanced Warfare. Mm. So I I, down, I I put the disc in and I played through that. And yes, it does have Kevin Spacey in it. And that is highly regrettable. And it also wasn't a very good campaign. 
It's got Troy Baker in it. Oh. And he looks well, what like... game doesn't? And he <laughs> looks like Troy Baker as well. Thanks. It's really jarring. Oh, really? In the cutscene, I heard him talk. I was like, that's just Troy Baker. It's Troy. And then in and the cutscene, it's Baker. Troy Baker. I'm like, this is really taking me out of the experience, <laughs> man. That's just Troy Baker. Uh, I think it is definitely one of the weaker campaigns, though. Uh, Spacey notwithstanding and his terribleness. Uh, so, Have you played any of the online for Advanced Warfare or Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare 2? 2? No, I haven't. I just played the single player. Uh, but I'm looking forward to Warzone 2.0 releasing next weekend. Mm. I'll jump mm. into that and give that a go with some friends. That is everything I played. Tried to route through it as fast as I can. You played enough for the three of us there. Yeah, I played a lot. Thanks for I forgot. I also played some uh, Saints Row last night. Uh, yeah, is that still going well? That game sucks. I love it. <laughs> My boyfriend keeps telling me it's, it's your favourite game, isn't it? You love playing it so much. <laughs> Yeah, and what? All right? Yes, it is. Yeah. It's great. It is. Question two comes from Sputnik. I'm going to prepare for me to say the word million lots of times. Okay. Um, Nintendo have realized the latest quarter... Uh, oh, <laughs> sorry. I have to get uh, through the word quarters first. <laughs> a, a released uh, would be... It does say realized. Nintendo have realized there. Oh, yeah. Right. Also the wrong there. Yeah. Okay. It's okay. Nintendo have released their latest quarter's final financials and sales figures. And for the first time, they're lowering sales forecasts for the Switch down to 19 million for the current financial year from 21 million. With, sale, with total sales 114.3 million units, currently over 3 million units selling every quarter and probably the, at least four years until a replacement is released, it looks like the Switch will get close to the PlayStation 2's all-time sales record of 155 million units. Do you think the Switch will be a worthy success to the PlayStation 2 on its accomplishment? Given its success, where do you think Nintendo goes from here? Thank you, Sputnik. Thank you, Sputnik. Thank you, Sputnik. I think we may have been asked before where Nintendo should yeah. go next. Mm. Um, and I kind of struggled because I don't know. Like, the thing with Nintendo is they, they do always seem to do just something a bit unique and different. You know, you can rely on Xbox and PlayStation to just release a kind of predictable model but just with better tech you know mm. you know what it's going to do be able to do roughly speaking whereas you know nintendo come along and they say hey here's this hybrid portable home console with detachable joy cons and it's got motion controls and does all these things and you know you go back to previous generations and you look at the wii that's kind of out there as well the 3ds it's all a bit strange so i find it very difficult to predict what nintendo are ever going to do next uh, but I think whatever it is, it will be a bit weird again uh, mm. in the same way that the Switch is also kind of a bit weird. But um, do I think it's a worthy success? Success should a PS2's accomplishment? Uh, yes, I think it is in a couple of ways. Firstly, um, the PS2 also has a giant library of games and so does the Switch. Mm. Um, and I think the Switch... So I've got a list coming out. It may have come out this week, actually, on the biggest video game libraries um, of all time. And the Switch was way higher than I expected. It's like top three. It may have even been at the top of the list. I don't know. Mm. But because there's a lot of kind of easy to download guff, guff like, you know, just kind a of bit digital like only. The Steam library was just yeah. full of just random stuff. Exactly. So because of that, you know, you can at least say like, well, it, you know, it kind of trumps the PS2 in that sense as well. Um, and also it just seems to be one of those consoles, they don't come around even every generation necessarily, but just one of those consoles where everyone kind of has one. And I guess that's, you know, that's shown by the stats that we're talking about here. But everyone, it's just, it has that kind of familiarity to it. Like most people just had a PS2 
everyone had a Wii, you know, and if you didn't, you knew about a dozen people who did and you played the Wii all the time. And the Switch is another one of those. Like, I know loads of people who've got a Switch. I knew loads of people who had a Wii, but I didn't know necessarily a, a notably large amount of people who had, say, a GameCube or, like, a Series S. Or, I don't know, there's just something about certain models where it just seems very familiar, very accessible, uh, very appealing, I guess, to a wide mm. portion of the audience. And so... Um, that I suppose is why it is selling so well. And, uh, I think that's something the PS2 did at the time. So hats off to the switch for managing to just find its way into that niche. I don't know exactly what the, the, the exact, you know, the magic words are and all the criteria that get you in there, but it seems to have done it as far as I'm concerned. So I well think done. you're right with the like wide range of people it applies to a lot with the, like with the Wii it's a family console yeah. like you can play it with your fam so your the parents are more inclined to necessarily get one for the kids over what they might you know PlayStation 5 partly due to the price and also partly due to the fact that you know there's a lot more on a Switch or what was the Wii than a PlayStation 5 for the whole family to enjoy mm. um which i think is why it's done so well like you say most people own one i think i don't I don't know if anyone in the office doesn't own a Switch. I think most of the people in our team do. I have a shared custody of a Switch. Yeah. But Peter and I share a Switch. Yeah. Oh, you swear? Oh, that's cute. Which I never really play. But yeah, Peter's not allowed it. But no. I could, if I wanted to, I could ask. Mum says outburst. it's my turn yeah. with the Switch. In public that time. Yeah, he's <laughs> not allowed. Yeah. Um, what was I saying? Most of the people in the office have a Switch. Yeah. Yeah. Ashton's got poorly brain fog. Yeah. Moment. Can you go? I don't know what I was. Yeah, that's say absolutely next. fine. I can, I can, I can take over. I slightly misinterpreted the question. I do think it's a worthy successor for the same reason that you guys do. Uh, I looked at this question a bit more from the aspect of will it reach the 155 million units of the PS2? And yes, I think it probably will, mm. unless. Tying into the further question about where Nintendo goes from here, they suddenly release a brand new unit yeah. and mm. discontinue the old one, which is not going to happen. The Switch is going to continue to sell regardless of whether or not they release a new one. I would be curious, though, when they do release a new one, which, as we've discussed before, we're all agreed pretty much they're on the right track here. It just needs to be a lot more powerful. Yeah. Um, uh, if they do release a new one, will it be backwards compatible? Will there be an element of... Uh, the, the current cross-gen situation we're hearing, uh, we're seeing on Xbox and PlayStation at the moment, where games released for the new Switch uh, have to be compatible with the old Switch as well. And then, will they end up kind of backing themselves into a corner on that front? There has been some news recently about some developers who are getting a bit frustrated about having to develop Series X games that yeah, have to be right. compatible with the Series S, even mm. not even the original Xbox, but the Series S. They're struggling to make it work on that. Uh, so, will Will Nintendo face a similar issue if they go down that route? I'm not entirely sure. But yeah, I think that the Switch is a fantastic system. They really just hit upon something that that's so universally appealing. And I don't see why with the right software support, which is gonna which it's gonna get from Nintendo's first party, uh, stable, why it wouldn't hit 155 and go further. I think it's long overdue for a console to overtake the PS2 and as important as we all agree, as important as the PS2 is, mm. I feel like now the Switch is a far more relevant system. Um, yeah. Perhaps even than the PS2 was at the time, maybe. Mm. Is, yeah. that, is that too big of a thing to say? Because it encompasses so many different, you know, handheld. It's debatable, but it, there's there's an argument for it yeah. as much as there is against it, yeah. It's a strong candidate. Mm. I'd, be, I'd be kind of 
if it was the PS4, for example, as great as that system is, I don't feel like the PS4 was as revolutionary as the Switches or mm. the PS2 was. Yeah. Uh, it would just sort of be like, yeah, it was just a... A, a really popular console that sold a lot of units, you know. Whereas well, the, thing the about Switch the, is, it has a real story. I feel. Well, the PS2, I wouldn't even say was revolutionary, other than the fact that it it just again it did the Sony and Xbox thing of stepping up mm. what was already kind of the norm. It was just DVDs. Here's it. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, DVDs. I it suppose. was. It was the first DVD, DVD player for a lot of people. It was, but to me, I I view the PS2 as like here's just the. It, it really is just the PlayStation 2, you know? It's mm. like a sequel console. And if um, Nintendo, th the next step for them might well be just a, a sort of sequel Switch, like a new model. Yeah. Um, but the Switch itself felt like something new. It wasn't just, you know, a kind of a sequel to the to the Wii right. or to even to their handhelds. It was kind of its own thing. So that I would say the Switch is more revolutionary than the PS2 was. Mm. Um uh, or certainly more cutting edge. Maybe you could still argue <laughs> Rev PS2 is revolutionary. People are getting furious in the yeah. car. Yeah, you could maybe argue <laughs> PS2 was revolutionary in the sense that it said, here's like better hardware. Yeah. But it didn't do anything like really new and, and unexpected. It was just, yeah. here's, here are your games, but better. Switch is a fantastic console. Yeah. Uh, it's well deserving of overtaking an arbitrary number of sales. Yeah, I suppose. Do you have any further thoughts? I, I was just going to say, I remember what I was going to say. Uh, this is a bit of a broad, uh, broad statement, but I do think that the Switch appeals more to female gamers than a lot of the bigger consoles due to the fact a lot of Switch games aren't online, that kind of energy of like men online and the way that like a lot of female gamers are treated on uh, online games. And I also think a lot of the games that are on Switch are geared towards the more casual gamer, which does tend to be girl gamers um, as a whole, because a lot of the time these games are, it's difficult to get into it. And a lot of these adult women who haven't, you know, been into games without the introduction of someone who is really into it, um, might just go for the games that they think are cute and cozy and mm. easy to pick up and easy to play, which I, why I do think that Switch is doing so well. I also think the pandemic's helped them a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that... Animal Crossing, yeah, etc. Exactly. I mean, I got a Switch during the pandemic, so I could play Animal Crossing. There wasn't that much on the Switch beforehand that I was really interested in, but... I got it because of Animal Crossing, and then since then I've played some more games on it. But I do think that I do think it's like you say, it's a, a revolutionary uh, console in a lot of ways, and it's introduced a whole bunch of more people into games, which I think is great. Mm. So, hey, if it does get over that number, good for good for them. Good for them. Good for them. Mm. They'll sell a, a, a metric flip ton more of them when the new Pokemon games release next week as well. Yeah. And we'll be covering those on the channel. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the hits keep coming. And good also, they didn't they didn't stop their stride by releasing a good enough follow up with the OLED because what a waste of time that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, thank you Nintendo for sending us one, but yes, yeah. that was ultimately. I don't know if we have specific sales figures on those, uh, but uh, that was not really what people were hoping for. Would it her. count? Do you reckon towards the 
the units included? Because I don't know, because yes. the PlayStation 2 variations included. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely would. Nintendo tend to even, when you look up Game Boy sales as well, it often it bundles in Advance and Color. So mm. it's it, you can find the specific sales numbers for each of those, but usually if you just Google it, it'll be like, here's the total sales of the Game Boy, and they'll just put all of them in. So yeah, definitely mm. variations of the specific console for sure. Yeah. will all be in there. Right, it's time for something a little strange, a little lady peculiar. and gentleman. Are you ready? Yes. Good for weird news. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's weird news time. Time for some weird video game news. If you would like to submit weird video game news to us, you can do so on social media. Earlier in the week, we usually do a little post. You can put your comments under that. You can do a little reply on the Twitter there for as long as Twitter still exists. And On Facebook too. Yes, on Facebook, you can do a little comment under there. And if you want to guarantee that you get your name read out, weird news, you can become a podcast producer by going to patreon.com forward slash... Team Triple Jump. Trip, team Triple Jump. Uh, support us at a certain tier. Become a podcast producer. We'll shout you out right now. Nathan. G.Y. Goliath. Sean Legg. Welco. Nicole Hansen. This is me. Yeah. Yeah. Nexus Polaris. Ellie Nicholas. Erica Hutchinson. Melody L. Burnett. Katie Jarrett Garrett. And Gabrielle Philippink. I spent so long reading Nexus Polaris's name and thinking, wow, Peter's probably going to have to take a minute to think about that one and then oh peter is taking a minute oh it's me nexus, nexus polaris, polaris was here last it's, week it's me yeah and the week before i think sometimes so there we i are. think maybe i'll just like shuffle them around, the, around. Shuffle them around nathan's just to gonna like be gutted mix it up. yeah nathan wants to go first uh, thank you time. podcast producers we appreciate all of you really mm. appreciate it peter what's your weird news this week i've got weird news that was submitted to us both on twitter and facebook i got the i think facebook submission from jonathan wong because uh, it was a good write-up but rb also sent it to us on twitter uh, but this is the kotaku write-up uh by isaiah colbert or mm. colbert um, who said, Sega is hiring a Sonic Law Master to keep up with all his nonsense. <laughs> um, and the subheading is, 
With great power comes great responsibility to make Sonic Mpreg canon. So oh, I think I, is that is that male pregnancy? Yeah, is that like all the the fan like fan Yeah, I think stuff. it's sort of weird, weird art where he's pregnant. Did you guys oh. see this morning that there was a new Sonic Frontiers trailer, and about eleven seconds into the trailer, uh, "Don't Stop Me Now" starts playing, <laughs> and it was like the most just like jarring thing I've ever wow. seen. No, I didn't know yeah, this. It's cool. pretty bad. Uh, today in job listings that exude a menacing aura, Sega is looking to hire a Sonic Lawmaster to keep track of the Blue Hedgehog's canon and non-canon antics. If you have a degree in the arts and just so happen to be doom scrolling through the job hiring website LinkedIn, you might have come across a job application from Sega of, uh, of America for a law associate manager for the Sonic team. Yes, Sonic has established law within its video... Yes, Sonic has established law within its video games, movies, and its low-key, slept-on comic books. Though many might be scratching their heads at the existence of Sonic law, one doesn't simply go fast without having a pre-established reason to. Over, t <laughs> over the past 31 years of Sonic's existence, the Hedgehog's lore has involved a plethora of bizarre storylines, like him being cuckolded by Shadow after the Hot Topic Hedgehog stole his then-girlfriend, Sally, and his often brought-up smooch with a human, which has been burned into everyone's memory. So you can see why Sega is in dire need of someone to keep the Blue Hedgehog's lore straight. As the name would imply, the responsibilities of the law associate manager include reviewing and verifying story content for accuracy and consistency, as well as brainstorming, script writing, and providing feedback for new Sonic stories and characters. The Lawmaster job listing also happens to coincide with the release of Sonic Frontiers. Mm. Don't stop me now. Mm. On Xbox, PlayStation, PC, and Switch tomorrow. Um, there's a quote here from the job listing. With both project management and creative duties, you will be immersed in the organizing and shaping of Sonic lore, canon, characters, and universes, helping to bring consistency, connectivity, and creativity CCC, to all things Sonic across various forms of media, including games, animation, comics, and more, Sega of America wrote in the description. Could you imagine spending like eight hours a day just reading and looking at and watching videos about sonic just to compile a complete version of lore of sonic the hedgehog i already get you'd lose your damn mind you would get extremely tired just talking about sonic let alone yeah. having to do it for you a get job. a glimpse of it and it is exhausting this article is it does continue but it's quite good as of the time of writing the job listing um the job listed as a full-time mid to senior level position within the company. If you're looking to throw your hat into the game, you'd be in a pool of 371 other Sonic fanatics, 136 of whom are entry-level applicants, and 54 qualifying as senior-level applicants. 371 mm. people is not that many for a job in the games industry, if you really think about it. Yeah, it I leads me not. to be like, does Sonic actually have a lot of fans or is it just a few very loud people? Yeah, that's, maybe. That's what I'm curious about mm. now. I think... You know that a lot of people will be qualified for this though. Not yes. not on mm. paper necessarily, but in terms of knowing and caring about the law. When will you learn? Mm. Your actions have consequences. Yeah, hire that guy. You freaking, freaking freaks. <laughs> um, 
Sonic's expansive lore has provided both fans and bystanders alike with a treasure trove of good and lawfully evil phenomena <laughs> over the past 31 years of the character's existence. On the one hand, you've got hidden gems such as the 1996 Sonic Over, don't know what that is, uh, Machinima's YouTube comedy series Sonic for Hire, and YouTuber Snapcube's hilarious real-time fan dub series. Then there's the dark side of Sonic fan lore. Last year, when the then-president Donald Trump tried to launch on the social media website Getter, tried to launch the social media website Getter off the ground, it was met with leftist Sonic memes, furry vor artwork, and of course, Mpreg art. This just goes to show that championing a free speech, independent thought, and rejecting political censorship and cancel culture. Twitter alternative can lead to hashtags like hashtag Sonic feet, hashtag Sonic is my God, hashtag Sonic loves communism, hashtag Sonic my love, and hashtag Sonic came in my bussy. No. Running wild no. in your virtual town no. square. No. Um, if it were me getting hired as the law guy for Sonic, I'd make reciting the theme song for the 99 car 1999 cartoon Sonic Underground mandatory before the start of any law meeting like the Pledge of Allegiance. It's important not to forget your history. <laughs> Thanks for bearing with, but I really wanted to get to the hashtags there at the Thank end. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Peter. You're welcome. Thanks so much. You're starting to feel better now, Ashton. Yeah. Oh, so illness. <laughs> Yeah, my head is it only hurt, it's hurting slightly less now. Mm. Wow. We got Matthews. I have a, a PC Gamer article that was submitted by Josh Perez at Engineered2D on Twitter. They also sent it to me via my DMs, I believe. Um, written by Katie Wickens. McDonald's brings us the Mook Crispy gaming chair to mark the downfall of man. We appear to be standing on the precipice of our de-evolution. <laughs> It's all good news today, isn't it? Yeah. Just you wait. There's a way out in my news. Yeah. I thought today would be a normal, boring Monday in the office. I replied to some emails, write a news post, and check through to see if anything's popping off. Only to discover that only to discover that the devolution of man has now officially begun. Our descent into apehood starts now with the new McDonald's gaming chair, aka the Muck Crispy. Why is it the Muck Crispy? Muck Crispy is the new the new chicken sandwich. So it's just a tie-in to promote that. Yeah, they could have called it the Muck Gaming Chair. They could have the Muck Gamey. The Muck Chair. No, that's a that's a venison burger. Yum yum. Um, no, you've not slipped into an alternative universe where Ronald McDonald is a famous esports athlete. The Muck Crispy is a real palpable gaming chair that you can win by entering an official McDonald's Facebook competition because, of course, it's a Facebook competition. So obviously I tried to enter the competition. Right, yeah. I can't figure it out. I don't know how oh, to get no. to the competition. It says, like, click the learn more button and the video, but I can't find the learn more button. And everyone in the comments is equally as confused as to how you enter it. <laughs> well, that's it. They've only got one to it's give away. Publicity. Actually, done. you're wrong. There are only four in the entire wow. world. Which means That's we should see, be seeing every streamer with questionable revenue streams sporting one of these babies. Though this may yet open up a terrifying opportunity for corporations to follow suit. And then a big gap, I dread to think. Um, the design is a vomit-inducing black and yellow with McCrispy printed slantily across the leather and even a matching lumbar support pillow. Of course, there's a giant M on the back head on the back on the black headrest, sorry, and even the wheels had the McDonald's yellow slapped on them. 
It comes complete with a fries holder, two dip holders, and a burger heat zone to keep your muck crispy warm. Two dip holders. Yeah. <laughs> Never in my 30 years on this earth have I felt the need to keep my muck crispy warm. Imagine all of those germs fermenting your burger for hours on end. Moreover, never have I, nor anyone I know, expressed a wish to have an eat, a heat emanating gaming chair. Gaming chairs are already warm enough with us sitting in them, working up juicy gaming sweat. Oh. Normally, gaming chairs are advertised with the opposite feature. The worst part, the, the worst part is that McDonald's is selling the seat on its grease-resistant leather treatment, so no need to worry about spills and stains. Ah, oh, yeah, just gobble it down, folks. No need for table manners. You can you can forget about all the work you put in cleaning your gaming keyboard. Well, time to wave goodbye to the dignity of the human race. And no, we won't be getting one for testing, so don't expect a review. Just lying there in like a pile of fries and burger crumbs, and oh, like man. I don't need to brush those off. It's grease resistant. <laughs> yeah. That's not how. But at it least works. your crispy is still warm. Hmm. <laughs> what? How does that work? It's just a heat pad. Yeah, it's like a fire hazard. Yeah. So this is the video, and it says this is like how you win it, and it's only available in the UK. But you can't. It says click the. Click the learn more button. But where? Where's the learn more button? What happens if you click that link? That URL there. That's the terms and conditions. Trust me, I've tried. I've <laughs> tried. <laughs> I've tried and I can't find it. Okay, well, if you guys at home can work out how to enter this competition, please tell know. me. We have until the 13th of November to oh, win so it. So it would be too late yeah. when this goes out. And everyone oh. in the if comments you win it, equally... send it to us. Yeah, we'll My buy it. My favorite comment is. Try doing the competition, but when you click on the links, you have your terms and conditions. I would like it for my grandchildren, not for me. I'm too old, lol. <laughs> From Leslie. <laughs> Thanks, Leslie. Leslie, because it's Classic a Facebook Leslie. competition, so that's who they're, yeah. they're yeah, reaching. Their target audience. Yeah. Got to get Leslie. my chicken chair. No. Mm. I would like this for my children, not for chair. me. I'm too old. <laughs> lol. 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 My Weird News comes courtesy of Bextra, Kestrel, Awesome Fox 42, Sai, and many, many others. Uh, thank you so much for this. Uh, this is an article on Eurogamer from Livnan. And the headline is Oculus Founder Makes Headset Which Can Kill You in Celebration of Sword Art Online. Palmer Lucky, founder of Oculus VR and creator of the Oculus Rift, has designed a new VR headset to celebrate the popular light novel and anime series Sword Art Online, which can also kill you. Mm -hmm. The plot of Sword Art Online revolves around a massive, a massive multiplayer online role-playing game in VR, which is played using a headset called the Nerve Gear. A number of players get locked into the game and the Nerve Gear can't be removed whilst a player is still online. And, spoiler alert, it'll kill a player in real life if they die in the game. <sighs> Lucky revealed his own version of this headset, named the OQPNVG, in a blog post on the Catchy. 6th of November. It's really good, isn't it? To coincide with the day the events of Sword Art, Sword Art Online begin. Uh, blah, blah, blah. In his blog, Lucky claimed Sword Art Online led to a huge interest in Oculus as the anime adaptation aired at the same time the rift went from internet forum curiosity for turbo nerds to siren of the games industry. That's how he refers to right. the Oculus. Um... <laughs> Combine with combine, combined, I assume, it says combine with Lucky's own interest in the series and somehow the next logical step was to create a real life version of the nerve gear. The idea of tying your real life to your virtual avatar has always fascinated me, Lucky wrote. According to Lucky, only the threat of serious consequences can make a game feel real to you and every other person in the game. The OQPNVG uses three explosive charge modules mounted to the headset rather than a microwave emitter like its fictional counterpart. So it's crap then. 
It's not even the same it's thing. It's not even real. When fired, the charges will destroy the brain of the user. Lucky's OQPNVG has a ways to go before it can be considered a true nerve gear. It is incapable of supporting a fully interactable VR world uh, like that of Sword Art Online. However, that is perhaps the least critical issue with it. Uh, it then talks about VR being purchased. Here we go. Lucky mentioned the explosive charges that attached to the OQPNVG are usually used in a different project, likely referring to his work on military weapons. Uh, continues. I just want to hit. There's one good line from him. Uh, da, 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 da. The OQPNVG has not been tested out, thankfully. Luckily, uh, Lucky admitted he hasn't drummed up the courage to put it on, thanks to a huge variety of failures that could occur and kill the user at the wrong time. At the wrong time. Lucky added his design is the first non-fiction example of a VR device that can actually kill the user, to his knowledge, but it may not be the last. <laughs> to his knowledge. There'll be one in some basement somewhere that somebody's mm. created. More I think you likely. should test it on like a watermelon or something when it's ready. Yeah. When the watermelon's ready. <laughs> when yeah. it's said its goodbyes. Yeah. Uh, this is obviously hugely stupid. It's it's uh, it's a PR stunt as yeah, much as anything sort of else. Art it's piece. not it's not yeah. real. Well, it is real, but it's not it's not going to be a thing that's ever commercially available. Uh, but there we are, a headset that can kill you. Mm. That's fun. The dream. Yeah, the way out for everyone. Mm. Let's move on to question. Michael Milan three. says, Ayo, Bappers, I've recently been, pl <laughs> been playing the Shadows of Rose DLC for Resident Evil 8. That's Resident Evil Village. While I'm overall enjoying it, I am somewhat disappointed that it reuses so much of the core game. My favorite DLCs in the past have been ones that largely create a new experience. What, in your opinion, makes a great DLC? I must admit, when I first saw when I saw the initial trailer that they did for the Rose DLC, I thought, "Oh, you just go back to the village, do you?" Okay, fine. Um, so I'm not surprised to hear that. I've not played it, but I'm not surprised to hear that that is the case. That it's mostly just reused content. To me, I I agree that it's nice to have a whole new experience, if possible, in a DLC. Um, there are plenty of other DLCs that don't do that that are still really good. But the one that always comes to mind for me for a, a really good DLC was um, Shivering Isles for Oblivion, mm. um, where you step through a portal and you end up in the titular Shivering Isles, um, which were um, where the Daedric Prince of Madness, what was his name? Shea Goreth, yes, um, hangs out. And just weird stuff happens all the time. Like just bizarre things that's kind of the whole aesthetic of the not just of the place but of the dlc itself so um i thought that was a really good dlc it's like it's not quite as open as um the like the overworld is but it's still open world in the sense that you can kind of wander in any direction and like you're not going to bump into an invisible wall or a loading screen you still got this world to explore it's just a got it's got few, um, a few more kind of walls and mountains and like thick forests that you can't get through but really good dlc so i think personally i just agree with you michael that having a new experience a new place to explore um maybe some new characters uh maybe playing as characters that you know from a game already um but i haven't been able to play as in the core game you know that that can be fun so yeah, things like that. Like for example, in, with, on the subject of Resident Evil, although it wasn't DLC, I really liked the mercenaries mode in uh, some of the, like a few of the recent games have mercenaries and you get to play as all kinds of people, either people who featured in the main game or even, um, you know, like Hunk, I think was available in Resi 4 mercenaries and he wasn't in the game at all. So 
that's always fun as well. Uh, but yeah, just a, a new experience, a new world is something that I think makes a really good DLC. Yes, I agree. Um, also, I think that more of the same isn't bad. I think that if you're exploring the same universe or there's more like story content, then yeah, that's really good. Like the Horizon uh, Forbidden, no? Frozen Wilds DLC was pretty much more of the same and it could be completed before the end of the game if you were like playing it for the first time when it came out. Um, and I think that it's just additional universe lore and um, universe building, which is really cool. And more of the same mechanics, but with added kind of like um, flair, like there was a whole new set of weapons and armaments in the Horizon uh, Frozen Wilds DLC. And additionally, with things like uh, the... Dragon Keep DLC for Borderlands 2. It's more of the same characters that you know and love, which is good because you've been playing as them for the entire time and it's still fun to continue playing as them, but in a new environment with new kind of vibe and setting and um, story, which is great. I think that works really well, but I think that like there's a point where it's like more of the same and it's good and a point where it's more of the same and it's just yeah. more of the same and it's not that interesting, especially when it's a game like Village, which kind of has a final conclusion to that whole arc. I think if you just got more of the same, you're kind of like, well, I've already finished this. And I know that the Shadow Rose DLC is like, that is a reason you're going back to the village. I don't know if you're actually even I think it's sort of dream yeah, sequence. Yeah, it's a dream or, sequence. you know, some kind of hallucination. Yeah, which yeah. I do get, but I also think, you know, that's come to a nice conclusion we've seen a lot of these areas and we've kind of finished everything now i do think that that can be hard to kind of come back to and you know revisit after that kind of final conclusion mm. so i do think when it's a game that is especially one that's kind of a sequel like a sequel to seven i think it can be hard to add dlc on um but like i say more of the same isn't always a bad thing but it has to kind of add something to the universal the story itself mm -hmm. yeah i i agree with that as well not necessarily a bad thing but i i can understand why that would be disappointing uh to to just be going back and traipsing around the same environments mm -hmm. especially if there's not enough of a spin put on 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 the original game or the original experience for me the undisputed king of dlc uh is borderlands 2 <laughs> jesus what's, what's going, going on in there the, is it the boys have they gone in yeah do you want to do you want to do the dad thing and knock on the wall just, yeah, just give I think a the, on the, the wall. snacks may have arrived. You've got <laughs> to be so more aggressive. It's all, it's all so muffled. padded. What, you want me to, to, to pound Yeah, as if it's a noisy next door neighbor. <laughs> oh, oh. Good. Goodness, that made bam, me feel bam. uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, How did you too. feel about that? I'm, I got, a, I I got two awkward. pounds in. I was going to do three, and I was like, no, that's enough. No, actually, only two quid. Yeah, in. I feel uncomfy yeah. now. Uh, Borderlands 2, for me, is the DLC. Uh, but to be clear, to, for, for people to understand geographically where we are, the kitchen for this uh, office is on the other side of this wall. Thin wall. So right, sometimes yeah. when they go in there, they make a flip ton of noise because they're having a tea break or Brew something. Crew. But Brew actually, crew. as you pointed out, they may well be. There's, oh, the there's a big shop right. coming in today. Yeah, so I'm ungratefully banging on the wall. It might even be big boss man Adam Pacitti on the other side bringing in the food he's paid for. He for should us know to better. Eat, and he I'm knows saying, how annoying it is. Keep to it be down, Dad. You can hear them all in the kitchen. Yeah. Anyway, Borderlands 2 DLC was <laughs> was unbelievable because they had three or four big, expansive DLCs that were all included as part of a season pass. Mm -hmm. They had what two DLC characters, uh, like brand new characters to play yeah. as. There's Gage and Krieg. Yeah. 
with was it three or was the ice lady in the first one i think she was in the pre-sequel the, oh, the pre-sequel yeah uh so the two brand new characters with their own skill trees and mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff uh, these these areas were big maps that had sub areas. They had a main story that ran through it, and lots of little side quests and things. New guns, new gear, new loot, all all the kind of stuff you would expect from the main game, but in sort of microcosm. Uh, and they also had released several sort of much smaller holiday themed uh, pieces that again took place in their own area. There's a Halloween one. There's one we've spoken about before on the channel and I've streamed, uh, which is Marcus Saves Mercenary, Mercenary Day, Day yeah. which is a Christmas themed yeah. one. It's there's fantastic. a Valentine's Day one. Yeah, there's a Valentine's Day one. I thought that stuff was really good, introducing new characters, new areas, new quests, all that kind of stuff. But I, I do agree that I think DLC is at its strongest. And if we're talking DLC, that's not cosmetic or mm. like a WWE game DLC where you get more attribute points for your character mm. or currencies or whatever um, then it's got to be a new area with new stuff and that is what I want out of a DLC most of the time yeah mm. Battlefront 2 did that well it did a lot of things wrong but it would they would just say hey here's like a whole new planet and like all the characters like who fought on this planet in this film and yeah yeah just actual new stuff it's good mm. it's a good flip right there it's time to move on to something a little bit large. Some people call it the big discussion. Big discussion. <laughs> it's big discussion time. Time for the big video game discussion that this week comes courtesy of David Lever, who says, hey oh, BP and A. No. PB and A. Yeah. BP and P. PB and A. Like J. PB it's and like J. PB and J. Gotcha. Yes, I understand. Thank you, David. I've noticed a trend recently of people complaining whenever a hyped game is well reviewed, The Last of Us 2, God of War Ragnarok, Breath of the Wild, that it's only reviewing well because it has to be good due to the franchise's reputation or the hype itself, i.e. cognitive dissonance. What do you think about these complaints? Do you think there's any truth to it or that it's a load of twaddle or somewhere in between? Thank you. P.S. Personally, I think it's overly it's overly negative splot. Subjective opinions exist, <laughs> and sometimes stuff is reviewed well because it's good. Thanks, David. Thank you, David. Thanks, David. Um, I'm fortunate not to have seen this kind of rhetoric, really. I don't think I've ever really seen anyone say it's reviewed well because it has to be good. Have you, have you guys seen this around? So... I have a little suspicion that this question came from a discussion that was had in our Discord. Um, oh, right. Which was a, a little bit similar to this kind of vibe of, well, if one of the big studios is really pushing it, then a lot of the um, reviewers will be more inclined to review to it, it well review. due to the fact that, like, you know, these things might benefit them in the long run kind of situation, which I do think does tend to happen. If you get down to that nuance of it, I, I've, I've seen that more, the argument that, well, because it's a, an important game from an important company, people feel inclined to review it well for their own benefit. Like, mm. you know, I, I want this publisher to like me or, you know that kind of thing and it's not very professional to do that or no. it's not very good for your own consumers yeah. or your readers or your viewers you see some channels that are like always at the top of the ign thing where other people would give it like 60 percent, and then like there's one hundred percent best game ever one in particular that is always featured on all of the marketing materials yeah. because they give every game a 10 out of 10 all the big yeah. games mm -hmm. get a 10 out of 10 from them yeah. now i'm not saying for a second that uh th that's the case across the board no but that bias does exist <laughs> yeah. it, that is that is true that yeah. that is a true thing but that so that exists and i'm more aware of that than 
perhaps some more... And maybe that is what David is basically saying. But if David is more saying that, like, some people think, well, we ought to review this well because this game should do well. I've heard it about Mario. I've heard right. the strength mm. of Mario's IP often gives Mario games a more favorable score mm. if they weren't a Mario game. Yeah. Which I can understand the argument of, but at the end of the day, the vast majority of Mario, Mario games game. are very, are very yeah. good. Yeah. But ultimately, exact, it doesn't really matter exactly what we're talking about here in terms of, you know, the, the broader question could be, if people review games well, there can often be backlash for it um from disgruntled uh gamers often from other platforms but not not necessarily um and that is always very frustrating and I, my mind immediately goes to the last of us for example um and you know there were there were reasons why not justified reasons but there were reasons why people got cross at the last of us part two and they then found it frustrating that it was actually you know it was a, 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 I don't want to say an objectively good game, but it, it was seemingly a very good game. And because it didn't kind of tick the boxes that they wanted it to tick or it ticked boxes that they didn't want it to tick, they got frustrated with that. And then you end up with review bombing as well. Uh, I guess we're sort of talking a bit more about critical reviews in this question. But uh, it's it's difficult to see a negative reaction from gamers when they see a game doing well just because they don't like it um mm. ultimately that and there's no real justification for that kind of behavior um david puts it as well as anyone saying subjective opinions exist and sometimes stuff is reviewed well because it's good and i'd like to think that for the most part actual critical you know the outlets that you're thinking of that that, that come to mind when you talk about game reviews generally probably review games based on their actual experience with the game and not because they're trying to kind of feather any nests or you know uh please people from pr or publishers um so yeah i i've seen less of this in in the way that david specifies and i hope i don't really see any more of that to be honest that <laughs> just sounds annoying to see I do think that there is a little bit of a like pre-release bias that a lot of us have that we like that even in casual conversation we'll be like well the God, God of War Ragnarok's coming out soon it's going to be good like it's going to be good yeah same way we said we did with like Horizon Forbidden West and Elden Ring it's oh well it's going to be good because it has to be good because of who's making it and I do think there is a sort of bias that a lot of people have as well it's being made by said company and they have a good history it's going to be a good game. Um, and I do think that maybe sometimes reviews can be gone into with a more positive idea of what's going to happen in the game than other companies. Like I think the next CD, CD Projekt Red game will be gone into with a much harsher magnifying glass because of Cyberpunk than, say, the next God of War was going into because the, the first God of War game was was really good. Mm. Um, so I do think that there is a kind of reputational bias that is potentially given to some games. However, I also think that it would be silly to assume that because they've got good reviews from such a, like an amount of um, critics that it's just false because at the end of the day there's, there's going to be people who were not going to like it and to assume that what is potentially 10 to 15 critical reviewers 
have said it's a good game just because it's gonna be it's gonna be a good game because it's God of War. I do think that that's like a kind of an outlandish and really reaching for a point there mm. because you won't you can hardly get five reviewers into a room and tell them to review the same game at the same time, let alone you know get them to all give the same review and say the same things. So I do think it's difficult to say that it's not real because they're just going to give it a good result because it's a good game. But I do think that there is still a reputational bias that you do go into a game looking for the positives or looking for the negatives, depending on the franchise or the company's reputation. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that's true, but I also don't think that getting a bunch of good reviews means that it's actually not a good game and they're just like false reviews. Well, let's not forget that a review is not just a score at the end. I know like that's kind of what your mind goes to. Oh, mm. it's scored, it, it's averaging 90, whatever. But a review they back up what they're saying. They're not yeah. just saying this is a 95% a game, full stop. They say it's a 95% game because here are all the gameplay things I like. Oh, I didn't like this bit. This was an annoying quest and blah, blah, blah. You know, like mm. it's justified. They, they they give justification for the scores that are uh, reached at the end in, in their conclusion. Yeah. Mm. Do big franchises get preferential treatment? Yeah. When it when it comes to review time, do you think? I, I think, think they certainly so. get they 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 get reviewed more because people because it's the, because it's a big franchise. Mm. Then you people know are going to click on the review. Yeah, you, people are more you, get more clicks on this actual review. Would you say that they get given more of a benefit of the doubt though? Is that as as to Ashton was saying? I don't think necessarily to get the benef benefit of the doubt when it comes to. I think it's in a way it's easier to pick apart a. It's like positive and negative marking. I think mm. if you're dealing with like a, a, a small, you know, like an indie game or something, it really needs to like do the work to raise your score. So you maybe go in at 50% and then it has to like do the work to show you why it's a 70, 80, 90% game. Whereas I think something like God of War, people might go in thinking this is probably going to be an 80, 90, 100% game. Mm. But then... I think it's quite easy at that point to negatively mark stuff. And if you encounter a load of glitches, we've seen it with, um, you know, for example, you, I hear from Ashton, you've had a bit of disappointment in the, in the Borderlands recently. Yeah, there's been some tales. So you went into that game, presumably expecting it to be good at because you enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. And then... It wasn't. You, you encountered reasons why it wasn't. And, I and that brought down. I could your... identify that quite clearly. Yeah. So I think that's the way it works. I think you, maybe with those like more mainstream games, you go in like with the expectations mm. and then they get chipped away. Yeah. Whereas with a lower, uh, you know, an indie game or something, it has to like be built up. Mm. Maybe. I think mainstream games have to do perhaps do more to to disappoint people than if yeah. it was a new franchise mm. say for example we got if dead space 3 wasn't rubbish and it had been a long old break and we weren't getting a dead space remake we were getting a dead space 4 and the reputation was there let's say dead space 4 was releasing in a let's just well forget what i said dead space 4 is releasing two years after dead space 3 and dead space 3 was really good and it was yeah. good okay and and people are excited for Dead Space 4. Dead Space 4 would have to do more wrong than the Callisto Protocol would to be mm. marked worse. Yeah. So the Callisto Protocol has has more of an uphill battle yeah. to be reviewed as well as Dead Space 4, even if Dead Space 4 
was exactly as good as the Callisto Protocol. Yeah. yeah. I feel like there would be, but I don't think it would be that different. And also, ultimately, it's semantics and the scores don't really matter, but they are a useful measuring stick of whether or not, ultimately, you would like to play a game. Especially mm. if you find you're a viewer who often yeah. gives the same... Agrees kind of, yeah. with you your opinions. Try, yeah. Exactly. But if this bias does exist, and I think we're agreed that it kind of does, but not to the extent where it really causes any issues... Uh, I feel that certain games are pigeonholed for the for similar reasons, like Horizon uh, Zero Dawn and Horizon Forbidden West. I would say those games are nine out of ten games. Neither of them has ever got a score like that, and I feel like because of the genre of game that they that they are, they will never escape that mid eighties range. Mm. Whether or not that's fair doesn't really matter because I know I like those games, and an eighty five is a really good score anyway. But I do feel like some games really do just get stuffed into a certain category and they I don't know what Horizon could ever do to break out of that, you know, and break no. into a 90 percent because people have decided that that is where Horizon goes mm. on the review scale. And I guess it's partly an element of there being a crowded market. And when you talk about Horizon as an example, that genre, there are so many good games, 80s, 80 plus uh, kind of scores mm. um, in the you know you look like God of War for example the, your third person action adventure games even if you want to limit it down to on Sony consoles there are so many of those and have been so many really good ones over the past few generations that maybe you have to do a lot more to stand out within that genre whereas if someone brought out a new football game and yeah there's, there's a couple of main players if you'll pardon the pun in that world but not so many um, and if someone brought out a really good football game, it might maybe find it easier to reach the the, the top of that league than um, than the third person action. What does FIFA have to do to get a ninety five? Well, yeah. What does that even mean? Yeah, just works, ultimately, yeah. Just works. What, what does it? What does it even mean mm. at that point? Call of Duty as well is another one I think where yeah. it's just it's always going to basically score the, the same unless it does something really bad. I, yes, I yeah. also think that games reviews tend to depend on what's coming out either side of it. Like mm -hmm. with Horizon, with Elden Ring, literally like five or six days after Horizon Forbidden West came out. I'm not saying that it would have got better scores, but I am saying that potentially they do influence one another. Mm -hmm. If you've got a reviewer that's gone from playing Elden Ring to then playing Horizon or vice versa, yeah. these different... Baby game. Baby game. <laughs> Baby game. Dead game, Elden Ring's out. I do think it's going to affect... Either way, whichever yeah, way around. Absolutely, especially yeah. if there if it has any common ground at all, mm. i.e., being an open world RPG, mm. like that, mm. that, that there is going to be an impact there. We've all heard for quite a while, and I think it was uh, it was said a lot more in that big old break where we heard nothing about Ragnarok. Mm. That the consensus generally was, "Hey, it's probably just going to be more God of War 2018," mm. and that's great. We could do with that. It's probably not going to get the same score in it, but it'll still be really good. And then everyone saw the trailer and like they're using the same boat animation. Yeah. It's just going to be the same game. The fact that it got a score like this is really exciting. Mm. And I don't know why anyone would be upset by that. Why wouldn't you want this game to be this good or to yeah. believe that this game is this good, especially as it's now out and everyone can play it? Not everyone's going to like it. I, As we've spoken about ad nauseum in regards to The Last of Us Part Two, if you don't like it, that's totally understandable. It's a bleak, 
depressing video game. If you hate it because of its themes, like having a trans character, that's a completely different argument. Those are two sides of a coin there, two completely different discussions. God of War is reviewing incredibly highly when for the longest time we all thought it was just going to be more of the same. Yeah. And the fact that it has reviewed so highly is something to be celebrated. But it is ultimately unimportant because it's a review score and you'll like it or you won't. But there's a good chance that you will because it's reviewed so well. That's the thing as well. It's worth reminding, this is basically the point you're making, but it's worth <laughs> reminding you, listener, viewer, that we're talking right now on uh, before the game has, has basically reached the players. So people are getting mad at specifically critical reviews without having yet played it themselves. Mm. So you're right to say that at least from that point of view, when you've not even played it yet, you should be excited that it, oh, it scored really well. That's great. If you then eventually, you know, get your hands on it and play it and think, no, no, this is what I thought it would be. It's just more of the the original game. It shouldn't really have scored any higher. Then you're entitled to sort of have that opinion and say, well, maybe, and, and to ask the question, why is this scored so highly when, in my opinion, it's no better than the first? But when you've not even got your hands on it yet, all all you really ought to do is be intrigued, if nothing else, mm. and think, okay, why why is this scored so highly? Maybe because it's a better game. It's a Metacritic 94, yeah. but is it a David Lever 80? Mm. Mm. Who knows? Yeah. You just have to play it and find out. I know that we gamers are starting to slash are a jaded bunch, um, but... You know, sometimes it's okay to be excited about things. Yeah, yeah, just let people like things. I always get excited, and then sometimes when I get let down, it hurts more. But sometimes it's okay to be excited because it's going to be good, and sometimes it's worth it. Just let people like things. Yeah. It's okay. Hey, guy. Uh, but also, just sort of in a broad sense, be kind to people on the internet because mm. there was actually an inverse story that's come out of this uh, this situation where a reviewer for IGN Korea, I don't know if you saw this, gave the game a six, and has been receiving death threats. Uh, okay. So, of course. Cool. So, should we? Behavior. Yeah, should we just? Should we just chill? Should we just chill? There's an article uh, for, to Push Square. There's an article to Push Square. An article from Push Square linked in the link dump if you want to read up a bit more about that. Mm. But obviously, that behavior is unacceptable. Uh, I actually hadn't heard anything about this particular instance with God of War. People criticizing the review score, but just because it has to get that review score. Uh, but certainly. We do this dance every time a big game comes out. Someone yeah. reviews it too highly. Someone reviews it too lowly. They're at lowly. <laughs> Christ. Uh, too low. And there are always outliers because they are subjective opinions at the end of the day. And uh, then people go after them. And that's just, just grow up. Why yeah. does it matter? That's why, why averages exist. Why does it matter? Else. Exactly. It's an average at the end of the day. This is the average of all the reviews on the internet. Why so. get upset by the one person who reviews it 101% and the other person who gives it 33 when the average score is, you know, 80, 90, whatever it is, whatever game we're talking about. Just God of War's meta score is uh, really high. And yeah. I imagine... A lot of people who are listening to this podcast will already be diving in and finding out for themselves if it's worth it or not. Uh, but as always, review scores are there just as a guiding presence. And if you take them too seriously, then, you know, it is what it is. You can disagree with them and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Well, make sure you let us know in the comments below what you think about everything we've discussed today. We'd love to hear from you. And Peter's going to tell you where on the internet you can find us. 
youtube.com and twitch.tv forward slash team triple jump for all of our videos and our live streams. When we're streaming on both YouTube and Twitch, we're modded by Lord Brotovich, Trailing Badger and Mr. Black. Uh, if you've got Amazon Prime, part of that bundle that you're already paying for involves or includes a Twitch sub. So you can spend that on us at no extra cost and uh, that will be great for everyone involved. Twitter.com and Facebook.com forward slash team triple jump. You can go to both of those for video and live stream announcements, legacy video content, questions about the podcast and so on and so forth, all sorts of things. Highlights of the week as well from Twitch. Um, twi uh, TikTok.com forward slash at Team Triple Jump for our TikTok. We will put some TikToks on it eventually. Um, hey, some more. there's someone up this week. Great. Okay. Fantastic. Not like actual TikToks, but no. like... Oh. Yeah, we've been posting we clips. clips and stuff Those are good, them. yeah. But we'll do some more talks at some point. Mm. You know, some memes and things. Mm. Pav, you're doing more TikToks <laughs> on your TikTok. <gasps> Patreon.com forward slash Team Triple Jump for lots of different tiered rewards. You can go and look at them all and choose which ones you'd like. And they give us the money. Yeah. <laughs> we have a website, triplej.map, tripleju.mp. It spells jump. It's very clever. Um, if you want to join our Discord, it's triplej.map forward slash Discord. Chat with our wonderful community over there. On Discord, we're modded by Jack, Joe, Tori, and otherwise. And if you to do something, bloody well, do it. All right? If you want to listen to the podcast in its audio forms, why not go to triplej.map forward slash podcast or catch up on some more live stream pods by going to triplej.map forward slash vods. If you want to book a cameo from us three or James Jenkins, why not go to triplej.map forward slash cameo. Christmas is coming up soon. Christmas and is we will wish soon. you a wonderful Merry Christmas. And a Happy New and Year. And a Happy New Year. Well, that's extra. Uh, yeah. Or maybe a Happy Hanukkah if you fancy. Mm. Um, and if you want to buy some sick and cool merch, go to triplejumpshop.com. Make sure you're following at triplejumpshop on Twitter for the latest merch no, no. announcements. Peter checked his hoodie to see if there was something underneath. I checked underneath my hoodie yeah. to see if it's there. He's naked under there. It's just like blue t shirts today. I'm wearing He's naked under there. We all are. <laughs> Why not follow Peter and Ashton on Instagram and Twitter at that Peter Austin and at scrambled Ashton and myself just on Twitter at confused underscore. Score dude. We do lists every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Streams every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Worst games is fortnightly. Friday for patrons of a certain tier. Sunday for everyone else. Plays it. Thank you. Sorry, I didn't. <laughs> I skipped over it, didn't I? Oh. Streams every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I'm taking a small break from streaming. Uh, solo streams are Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and the, the joint stream is. Uh, hang on. What did yeah, I say? You're right. Joint stream is Thursday. On. YouTube. On YouTube. Thursday being the joint stream. stream. Blaze, Blaze it. it. On YouTube. Mm. That really, the, the, the subtraction of the Friday it's has really thrown you off. just yeah. ruined the whole flow, hasn't it? Uh, the podcast is every Saturday and we do shows all the bloody time. So come and check them out. Why not leave a five-star review on your platform of choice? It helps something to do with Al Gore's rhythms. It's free and it takes just a moment. So please consider doing that. Merch, it says here. Merch. I just haven't taken it. It's still available. You can still buy there. the Ashton pins or there's this legs top and yep. new merch coming soon. Yes. Fingers Christmas crossed. drop, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, we need to message, message our boy about that. Actually. Yeah, we do it. And there's yeah. one week left on the Tatterpeel. Oh. This is your, well, actually, six days. 18th of November. It's the last oh, chance. Wow. Do we is... make work for Kieran by saying address on screen address or do we just say screen. address available address on the channel? Address available on social media. Yes. Kieran, yes. if you are watching through the edit, I don't blame him if he doesn't. He doesn't need to. No. Uh, no, then address really on screen. If not, address elsewhere. Mm. You, yeah. It's it's findable. Thank you to everyone who sent and Tat in. And don't forget, there is a one week grace period. So if it's not going to arrive by the 18th of November, much. no worries. There's going to be a week before we open it anyway. Yes. Then we will was. film 
and if we do get anything after that date, well, it won't be on camera, but we will contact you if there's contact information inside. So thank mm, you. Yeah. Uh, so there we are. Uh, worst games ever is this week, Peter. It is Mary Kate and Ashley Crush Course. I've just watched it. The first draft. It's well, it's the final draft because James Jenkins oh, is a one draft boy Jimmy now. Jenks. He's always doing single drafts. Um, it's good. I enjoyed it. More Mary Kate and Ashley. You might think more of that. Don't want to see that. You're wrong. You do. You <laughs> do. Why would anyone think that? Yeah. They're incredible. They're the twins of our generation. Mm. Uh, also, finally, of course, the quipscope for God of War Ragnarok that is available on the channel. Go and watch those slash listen to that. Blah, blah, blah. Ashton, sponsor, please. I want to Ragnarok and roll right now. And, and party, party every day. day. I... When a god of war Ragnarok rock and right roll now. all night. <laughs> I don't know that. <laughs> and have a really good time. Thank you for watching, everybody. We will see you next week. Look after yourselves. Bye bye. -bye. bye, -bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.